นโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะอุดังธรรมังสงฆังนมัสมิโซ่ Buddha expounded the Dhamma in through various uh, using various maps of the world of the field of experiencing. And just to use this phrase because one of the um, errors. The things we have to, to have to be grown beyond is a sense of me having an experience. Because if if I have an experience, then I'd like to have another one, a better one, and I don't want to have a bad one. And once I've had this experience and it's passed, well, that'd be nice. Let's have it again, but better next time, maybe, or longer or shorter, or this or that. So. And how much of our practice is about trying to have an experience, or I had a great experience nine years ago in a retreat? I'd like to have that again. I had somebody else; she had a really great experience in, in, down in New Mexico. I wonder if you can have it here. Perhaps I'm not ready for that kind of thing. So the suffering, and so if we look, if we use our intelligence and chitta, consider chitta, mind, heart. Also, another word you use is just intelligence, which means not so much intellectual capacity as the ability to receive an impression. Get it, sense it, handle it, process it, simulate it, fathom it, and respond. You receive it accurately. You receive it fully. You receive it in an open way. Get the whole of it. Take it in. Discern it. Turn it over, ponder it, contemplate it. Uh, get the meaning of it. This is that. Then respond to the meaning. So this is the work of chitta, and chitta is not always that wise by any means. Often it only gets a blurred impression or a hasty impression. Doesn't really process it probably well. Doesn't contemplate it, doesn't ponder it. Just comes to an immediate re- re- uh, reflex reaction and comes out with a reflex response. Uh, and this erratic um, blindness, in which it is often working from assumptions, prejudices, presuppositions, what everybody else says it should be, what I think it was. And so this way, the blindness continues, you know, perpetrating, uh, generating a world. We experience ourselves as living within, which is all about jumping and running and grabbing, and you know all the things that occur out of reflex, whereby in that rapid process we haven't really. Acknowledge that wasn't. I didn't really get that fully. I just grabbed a bit. I didn't really turn it over. I just, you know, hastily react. I didn't really get the meaning. I thought about it. I had a momentary thought reaction, but didn't really get it. And the response wasn't really a full response. It's more like a knee jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So this is the you know this is when the chitta is isn't trained or, or soothed or calmed or eased or encouraged. It, it, it does, it's desperate to, to arrive somewhere, and it feels it would do that by going as fast as possible to get there. Because in the world that it creates of space and time, there's always a sense of a long way to go into the future progress to be made. And we create that. It creates that. You know. And in, in meditation, you know, you have this lovely occasion to start dismantling this this mindset, the business model, call it. And usually there is mottos like when it's not, not much time, it's time to slow down. Mm-hmm. So when you get that flurry, panic, rush, this is the time to... Mm-hmm. And when it seems to be, time seems to be dragging very slowly, this is the, this is the occasion when you need to, to sharpen up, focus. It's rushing too fast, it's the time you need to expand and soften and widen. And you've got a chance and opportunity to do that. Just to learn uh, how to flex the yoga of the chitta, the yoga of, of intelligence. It's not about accumulating more information, it's just flexing your intelligence, making it more supple. And as you see, like you have the yoga, you can do amazing things with a, a body that a stiff body doesn't do. And with the yoga of chitta, it's far more profound and uh, more far-reaching than that. I think, so we say, well, when you meditate, first instruction is to think short, Listen long and take your time pondering, sensing, and using using the body, sensing into that. So our legacy. This intelligence arises within this birth and various forms arise, fields arise. So, uh, you know, Buddha presented this in several ways. First of all, well, first of all, but one way is the presentation of the, the sense, sense fields, which are actually six sense fields, but they merge into a uh, three-dimensional reality, and they're generally what that is happening in that is there's a a lot of interplay between basically the inner base of manas, the manas, the mental base, uh, which is a different expression than chitta. Manas is the, uh, the mental base that relates to experience through the eyes and the tongue and the nose and so forth. So it's this kind of interaction. And in the interaction, uh, a meaning is derived and the fundamental meaning is I'm in here, that's out there. But if you explore who's in here, um, where? What's out, if it's out there, where's out, where's, where's, where's out there? And how come out there affects in here? Where's the boundary? And it, it washes in and out, doesn't it? Yeah. And it washes in and out dependent upon the structure uh, of the field. So visual field, out there, I'm behind my eyes looking out. Uh, auditory field, it's around me. Yeah. You listen to sounds around you, 
I'm in the center, the sounds are around me. The uh, nose, the smell field, it enters me, it suddenly jumps inside me. The world of odor. It's sort of out there, but then the big thing is it comes into me. So then I am invaded by it. This is why it's such a strong reaction to odour. Because you don't observe it. It's not out there. That's the problem. It starts out there and it comes in here. Taste is never out there. Is it? You know, you look at whatever it is and your mouth can be salivating. You still can't taste until it gets in here. And then it is in here and it explodes. (laughs) It suffuses that. So in that sense, where am I in the tasting? I am that which is invaded. I mean, hopefully pleasantly invaded, but suffused with taste. That's where I am. And in the body, yeah, yeah, yeah. Body contact, you know, is very intimate, isn't it? Because. it it invades also I am the one who can affect it I can push things away I can grab hold of things and they can grab hold of me issues (laughs) so I am that which can both be invaded and also invade or capture others other things see how the self forms slightly differently around those experiences where where this being is and in the mind where am I in that this is the big one because sometimes it's all over me sometimes I'm just getting hold of it and then it tips over it's like being in in a whirlpool you can't separate yourself from mind Whereas you can get some sense of distinction in the body. Well, I'm behind this skin thing, and then I reach this skin thing out and I touch something, it's out there. Definitely I'm in here, that's out there. With the mind, you can't quite do that. So in that sense, because you can't get the separateness, well, I I must be the mind then, right? Since there's no separation, that must be me. Oh dear. (laughs) I move a lot. (laughs) And uh, this is what I am. I'm going to try and make it as good as possible. So fill it up with thoughts, uh, choices, decisions. Make it powerful. Make it able to control things. Make it able to make things go away. Make it able to store things up. You know, that's what, then I'll be, you know, I will be, you know, up, supreme, uh, enhanced, advantaged. I want to be that. I don't want to be the other way. You know, collapsed, depressed, flattened by it. So I'm going to get on top of all this stuff. So the mind then, this space gets extremely precarious and desperate to climb to something called happiness or power, or supremacy, or knowledge, uh, yeah, own things, and then wants to climb to Nibbana, my final Everest to ascend to. Yeah. And this gives us this tremendous demonic arrogance that we don't even realize where we consume the entire planet because of the unfetteredness of the mind and everything and then I have right God gave me this right to do this <laughs> you know so where are you? are you in your eyes, your tongue, your body, your nose create different positions but of course the mind is the dominant one. 
because that's what I seem to be. Since I can't separate from it, I must be it. So that always acts as the, as the leader. Mind is the chief of all mind states. So, you know, this is kind of, this is manas. But the beauty is that citta can, intelligence can differentiate, it can discern, it can, what's the meaning of this? It can do, it has basic wisdom. It has to be encouraged. It can expand and take in the whole thing. Well, the body says this, eyes say that, taste says this. What is it? What's the meaning of this? How can something that looks so tasty, look so good, taste so horrible? How can something that seems such a good idea be, you know, be destructive? So what's the meaning of this? Meaning of this is, this is uh, illusory. Doesn't make sense. Therefore, what's my response? My response is to base on heart, intention. May things be well. May there be peace, non-violation, non-greed, respect, mutuality. This is something, this is the meaning. These senses, they differentiate and create a grasping self. If they're followed, this is the meaning. But the meaning also is, it's not that I grasp, it's there is grasping. It's reflex. This grasping can be relinquished. Generosity, kindness, non-holding, non-domination, non-exploitation, non-abuse, sharing, humility. May all beings be well. Give up some of mine. They can do that. This is this is beautiful. This feels better. Jitta can do this. Jitta can know this. So this is what we call awakening intelligence. Buddha awakening. Buddhi is the awakening. Awakening intelligence. I'm dumbing it down. So awakening to the nature of the sense fields and the messages they bring and the constructions they've generated around those, following those messages. The constructions are in terms of form. I am this form. There are other forms. There are separate forms. That's the construction. Around that construction then feeling. My form is invaded with feeling. May it not be invaded with feeling. My mind is invaded with feeling. May it not be invaded with feeling. It's because of this mindness that feeling invades. If there's no mind in it, feeling feels. It's a vibrancy, vibration, tingling, suffusion, runs. It has no intention to hurt or delight. This thinks Chitta really has to study this very fully and recognize, well, I don't know about that, sounds an interesting idea, but just so you start to practice what happens when just even things that do not do my body any harm really are not injurious. Mental feeling like waiting, feeling frustrated. You know, is it possible that that unpleasant feeling, being misunderstood, something like that, which is just not injurious to life, that that feeling could be accepted. And the energies of frustration, uh, remorse, vindication, triumph, supremacy, 
you know, bullying, whatever, feeling human, that could stop. Those energies could stop. That, that translation could stop. And then, oh, then, it's just that. We don't have to link it to meaning and volition. So as you may begin to, to recognize these are what are called the aggregates. Another map in which the, this potentized field starts to flex and inform and create. Um, and so these are then to be, to be explored. Form, visual form is one. So just looking at your own body or somebody else's body or something, what, what's there? So something that fills the space, associated shade, light, dark, colour, extends a certain you know, measurable distance. Who's that? You know, you interpret that as an interpretation of that. And if you're just recognizing, you know, just what you know intimately in yourself, you, you, you're, you know, you're not experiencing what that form looks like. There's <laughs> quite a differentiation, isn't there, between what the photograph would reveal of you and what your experience is. Right? And how you'd even assess that. You look at that photograph, you think, oh dear, you know, this, that, that, not this, not that. You know, so all that stuff starts happening around what? A visual presentation of the outside of your skin bag. <laughs> but huge things can happen around that. And really, where are you? I'm sort of just feeling hope and despair and happiness and unhappiness and joy and interest and confusion. Nothing about the form. So you see, you see the kind of illusion. It doesn't mean there's nothing there, but to you know the kind of intensities that can get created over you know taking form as self as a final reality. Of course, people do, and people do it to each other, judge each other upon their shape, colour, size, so on. So yeah, it becomes a big issue. And painful, extremely painful, and hurtful. Mm. So we, you know, we see, you contemplate this, and the arising of whole worlds of agitation and perception and guilt and shame and blame, accusation around a visual presentation. You know, that's how potent it all is. And you know, foolish jitta can, can, can definitely do that through not exploring, not really getting it, not really pondering it, sensing it, and eliminating the abusive, the, the comparative, the should be this way, eliminating these unskillful, unwholesome, unhelpful traits. I mean, and what result? One feels happier, more economous, more peaceful. And so this is this is how the, the Dhamma can arise out of this world. If we are able, we have the opportunity for meditation to just begin to take fragments of our experience, and you can do it with any fragment. You know, it's like a hologram. Any single item reveals the entirety. Any single item, still, if you explore it with intelligence, it reveals this sim- uh, the entire message. This is not self. Uh, there is skillful and unskillful uh, energies around this, and the skillful is to be encouraged. You get the meaning and you get to the same result. 
So the unfolding of, you know, the transformation of the world. It's called the ceasing of the world. There's this, you know, expression that I have to bring up, the the Tathagata, the Buddha teaches, within this body, with its consciousness, perceptions and feelings, is the arising of the world. Within this body, with its consciousness, perceptions and feeling, is the continuation of the world. And his body's perceptions, consciousness and feeling is the ceasing of the world and the way to the ceasing of the world. What is the world? The world is that which whirls you around. Is the whirling, the spinning, the samsara. It's all about planet Earth. Um, and so he's saying you're and this is an extraordinary statement in many respects. Yeah. Well, in a body. Well, if you directly experience, you're experiencing, you know, the, the, these uh, energies and persuasions and assumptions that, that fashion a prison. fashion this this death bound sentence in, in this thing and so the ceasing of that is not smashing it up it's just stop creating it is, is the meaning yeah. the ceasing in other words this is energetically being formed time and time again energetically being formed through not reading things correctly, through responding and forming misperceptions, assumptions, prejudices, biases, taking in blindly what others say. This is the, these are the qualities the jitta gets drunk on and it starts hallucinating this world. Yeah. And so, once again, I don't mean a world in geography, but the world that you're in, the world that you're in, it's your memories, your hopes, your struggles, your wounds, your attitudes. And these are not necessarily evil by any means, but it uses a lot of energy and for not much benefit compared with what could happen with it if that was released so the Buddha teaches the ceasing of the world now of course you know in some respects it sounds eerie sounds negative sounds dismissive of you know, human civilization. <laughs> but that's not the meaning of it. That's not that's an assumption, it's not the meaning of it. The meaning of it is this this world in which one is always faring onwards, running onwards, you know, trying to catch, trying to get to the end of the race. This world, this experience that one is in. You know, and it says, how many lifetimes? He uses an image, he says, the amount of weeping, yeah, he said, that you've done would fill the oceans mm. in this samsara. In fact, more, he said, you know, the water that you've wept is greater than the water in the oceans. And you wept over the loss of your loved ones. You wept over the loss of deaths. And you wept over this. Aren't you? Haven't you had enough of it? Powerful speaker, and definitely urging for our welfare, giving us tough things 
But then, you know, also this map. Get ponder these. So, you know, arising, someone's asking about arising and insight and so forth. Now these are, you know, so what we, uh, one of the ways in which our, with our intelligence we can, there can be this exploration, you know, and it's the intelligence that explores it. Once again, there isn't some person separate from it, you're in it. So you're exploring not just the object, but the subject. The subject is part of the field. That's the subject with her urges, her wavering, her confidence, her aspiration, you know, his loving kindness, his uh, clarity, her wisdom, you know, the whole mix. It's all part of it. And of course, her delusion and his greed. And so forth. So you know, and, uh, and all these these are all conditioned in. They're not personal. These are these are the ways that we get instructed to be, you know, impatient or demanding or whatever. You know, the complexities of of volitional complexities of intention. And jitta primarily operates through intention. which will explore. But if we, if our intention is to uh, steady, to soothe, then the intention itself must have that steady, soothing quality. Otherwise it's like you can't use a flat iron to, to, can you, to soothe things down. You have to use a, uh, like a stroke. It's gentle, it's stroking. You can't hammer things calm. <laughs> so it's soothing quality. So we take up that kind of intention. The soothing, the calming, the generous, the allowing, the all the time in the world. You know, that could be part of it. It could also be the discarding the intention to just don't bother. Doesn't matter. Put that down. It's not necessary. Stop fiddling with that. Stop fiddling with that. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> you can firm it up, you know. Switch the thing off. <laughs> so it's different qualities. There's firm, the soothe, there's, there's also stay, stay. Stay a little longer. Stay. We call it sati, mindfulness. Stay with this, bear with this, bear this in mind fully. Extend. Yeah, because the habit is to rush and jump and get to the end of the sentence before you really become the first word. Linger, stay calm and sustain. This is sati, mindfulness. Bear it in mind. This is an intention. So these are the, you know these are the kinds of intentions that are recommended, encouraged, and also the intention to investigate, you know, which is handle it, turn it over, um, explore it, notice it changing, rising, passing, subsiding, fluctuating, phenomena that arise have the tendency to swell, distend, shift, move. They are and each other constantly, constantly shifting and changing. You try to find an origin and you don't find it. There isn't exactly a beginning and there isn't exactly an ending. It's like waves that flow and subside so that the correct translation is more like arising and subsiding, welling up and settling down. It's not beginning and ending. Because you're trying to find the beginning of a thought, for example, you notice kind of space and then it's sort of like something starts to shake, tremble, 
as meaning begins to form and then the thought comes up. But it's rather like the effect of uh, breathing on cold glass. You know, the, the misting and the water droplets form. But it wasn't like you threw water droplets on the ground. On the, they did just pop up, they, they gradually formed. So this is a forming, forming. And it's a, when, the, when this intention to calm and soften is sustained, then the jitta can ponder more deeply and begins to experience the arisings and subsidings. And the question of insight, we pass on our question is, what is the condition that triggers that? What is the condition that's the, the formative <coughs> tendency? Could be the tendency to acquire, or the tendency to have something, or, you know, or to be something. So we find, you know, a lot of thought intentions or behavior intentions are to, when you explore into it, get down here, oh, I want to feel good, I want to look good. I don't want to look like an idiot. I want to be, I don't want to look like slow or lazy or whatever, I want to, so other people, they don't even realize it, it's so innate, self-consciousness. I want to you know, be in the top, not the bottom of the pile. Pile? Who's comparing? Who's doing the comparing? Who's saying what you should or shouldn't? So the you know, formative tendencies arise and form all kinds of behaviours which are aiming that I may be up rather than down, first rather than last, at least, you know, not left behind. Otherwise I really feel bad, stupid, lazy, whatever. So this this sense of wanting to be a successful self, an approved of self, very powerful, root tendency and that so it's, it's you know, pre-verbal so with insight you begin to contemplate what is it that's pushing what is it that's generating these behavioural forms when I'm desperately desperately yeah, racing uh, pushing Comparing, criticizing myself and others. Why is this? What, what's happening? Where, I don't like this. You know, we realize there are what are called latent tendencies, which are under the hood, under the lid. They're just there, they're nuggets, they're inheritances, and in the field, energy field, these act like certain magnetic pull. Start to pull behaviors and energies and perceptions into place. So, this is insight, is not so much time bound as meaning bound. What is the condition? Can can you could there be that open inquiry? Um, why am I why am I generating so much pain for myself? You're crazy. Because you're not in charge. The self, the person's not in charge of their mind. Latent tendencies are in charge. Therefore we're driven, as manifestly one sees, people driven to drink, addictions, brutalities, violence, suicide. You know, driven. 
because they failed to be what they assumed or other people said or, you know, the world left them behind. And, you know, I guess we do ourselves hopefully less damage, but certainly a fair amount of damage is occurring these latent tendencies. So the aim of insight, uh, the aim of the Buddha's teaching, is not to, you know, achieve anything more than to stop messing yourself up. This stopping, that ceasing, and the result of that, or the consequence of that, Nibbana, undifferentiated. Um, no this, that, no them, there, no here, there. The ending of that, therefore there's nothing to push against, nothing to hold on to, nothing to compare anything with. The undifferentiated ceasing of these structures, these energies of differentiation. So, and these energies are dependently arisen. So it's another key term, which can be very, um, you know, complex, mystifying in, in the details. And I acknowledge probably a good amount of what I say doesn't arrive anywhere useful for you, but uh, here you are. <laughs> here we are. I mean well. And maybe some of it lands, and uh, the rest of it you'll kind of you'll store somewhere, and you pick it up, or you listen to it again and turn it over. So these are no means final. These are just seed points for you to pick what you can, because any bit will take you to the whole of it. It's it's holistic. It's a hologram. No dependent arising. You know the fundamental meaning of that is. You know, what seems fixed and absolute there is actually dependently arising. It's, it's generated, you know, the way that a light show is generated, by constant energy streaming in certain ways to reify form, to create subject and object, to distinguish things as separate, constantly arising. And so what, you might think. But then the... Uh, uh, within that, okay, this is what we got born into, you know, we see, that's fine. But the pain of that is what is, is what is dependently arising within that. It's not just the neutral reality of sights and sound, which is okay, but extremely unpainful unpa- reality of self and other. Which keeps escalating because it's not just me and you, it's also I have many me's and they don't like each other. You know, there's a pain me, and a greed me, and a worry me, and uh, I wish I was another way me. You know? So this, you know, these are latent tendencies generating forms of compulsion, of fear, of agitation, of stress, of defensiveness, of fear, of shyness, of, you know, flooding other people, you know, because I can't feel them. One experiences this in oneself and others. Some people just keep flooding other people because they can't feel them. Their receptors aren't there. They think, you know, back off, back off. They're saying, can we get closer? And you're going, back off, back off. I say, I just want to know you. Back off, back off. <laughs> Space. <laughs> when you live in Sangha, you live in community, you think, wow, this is happening. So a community of people who don't want to be in a community, um, or have difficulties in being in a community, No, it's a curious thing. Should we let this person into a community? Well, we want to be inclusive. Yeah, but, you know, well, not about him. Yeah, we've got to be inclusive. So. I don't want to be excluded. You wouldn't know, I don't want to be excluded. I want to be included. But I don't want to be included in a group that includes people. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it includes all these people I don't like. 
We included you. Yeah, but I'm fine. <laughs> so, you know, these kinds of behaviours running out into ludicrous uh, scenarios that are extremely painful and problematic. There's the general tendency is just really encouraging. You don't have to like, but accept. This is baseline metta, just non-resistance, non-aversion, non-tightening up in defense. Just accept. This is, you know, and then something we could perhaps reach as a standard. Sounds a bit limp, but just imagine if everybody did that. <laughs> you know, the end of the violence. Though dependently arising, and insight is looking into that, into the causes and conditions that generate stress. And so, you know, and you can do this just in sensing your own body. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, what generates, what gives you your body. Now remember a field is something you're in, so you don't really notice it because it's like you don't notice the air. Because you're so in it, and in a body, we explore where is the stress in the body, within the body, not just something difficult impinging upon it, but internally. Mm-hmm. And so it's a simple meditation, you begin to explore these places, and within that, just within the internal stress in your own physicality or physical experience, which when you enter it becomes the total, you know, that's the world now. Sights and sounds have disappeared in this. Future has disappeared. So you put aside what's relevant to that world and you dwell in that field, that body field. And then within this, within this very thing here, you will discover the arising of the world and the ceasing and the path. Because this is where you discover the dislike the resistance, the blind spots, uh, the holding back, the surging forward, the rushing, the not lingering, the speeding past, the lack of discernment, the not really getting it. This is where you discover that and you begin to also discover this is the staying, this is the lingering, Mm. this is the soothing, this is the opening, and this is the careful, loving handling within this. This is the way out. This is the view. All this that seems so me is dependently arisen moment at a time. We can dismantle this legacy. Intelligence can dismantle this legacy. And what doesn't dismantle it Taking a self, feeling I am this, I don't want this, I wish I was something else. How can I make it this way? Why can't I be like that? I want this bit and not that bit. I want the pleasant bits and not the unpleasant bits. This is taking a self. So we open to the acceptance, widening, softening. And realizing within this all the potentials for those worldly habits that generate the trapped self. And here also is the possibility for the skillful cultivations that release that strange conundrum. Is this it just embodiment? Hmm? Embodiment, energies, feeling, sensations running through. What's the boundary? 
difficult to say. You can feel contact impressions that you interpret as the boundary. That's an interpretation. Then you deal with the reality uh, of direct experience. The fundamental quality, vitality, life itself. And the first condition arising is the arising of uh, heat, called the fire element, extension, sense of occupying space, this is called the earth element. Um, movement, inner movement, breath, energy moving, the air, the air element, cohesiveness, or lack of it, the water element, the space, absence of pressure, the space element. When these elements are blended and wisely as elements, not as self, not as me, not as my body, but as elements, there can be subsiding of differentiation and stress. In this we see the ending of the world. It's a microcosm. But in that you, you the, the citta has acquired the process, the path, the intelligence, and the confidence. If you can do it here, maybe you can do it there. Maybe you do it with thought. Maybe you can do it in your relationship with other people. This is what I imagine she is. This is what I think she is. This is what I want her to be. Actually, it's like this. <laughs> and how do I? So this, this is how we distill the path of practice and our opportunity on this occasion is to fathom within this very body. So for this for your reflection this morning.